Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the great Christian thinkers. We still are in the 16th century, huh? I mean, we have been in the 16th century for quite some time now, looking into the Protestant Reformation and its uh, Counter-Reformation and the Council of Trent, among others. We looked at such figures as uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Francis Xavier, the great Jesuits, as well as some great Carmelites and St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. Uh, But we have arrived at that point where we now have the opportunity to look at one St. Lawrence of Brindisi, a most compelling figure, (laughs) a most compelling figure that maybe for some of us we don't know a whole lot about. So uh, this evening hopefully will be enriching for you as you get to know better Uh, This great figure, this great doctor of the church, he's another doctor of the church of the 16th century. Uh, So uh, I very much look forward to this program, and and I look forward to it with John O'Hara, who is in studio with me. So, John, great to have you with me another evening. Great to be back again. Thank you, Joe. So, John, we have 36 doctors of the church, 36 doctors of the church. 13 of those 36 doctors have titles. We have talked about the likes of a St. Augustine, who was uh, the doctor of grace, um, St. Thomas Aquinas, the seraphic doctor. Last week, we were talking about St. John of the Cross, the mystical doctor. Well, this week, um, we are about St. Lawrence and Berdisi, the apostolic doctor. Now, what is in a name? Or maybe better said, what is in a title? Well, if St. Augustine was known as the doctor of grace, it's because he had something important to say about grace. If uh, St. Thomas Aquinas was known as the seraphic doctor, it was because he had a a kind of angelic quality about him. If St. John of the Cross was known as the mystical doctor, it was because he brought so many rich insights into the mystical life. Well, this evening, John, we are about the apostolic doctor, because St. Lawrence of Berdisi was a man for the universal church. I mean, how many languages did he know? (laughs) Many, (laughs) many. Hebrew, uh, Greek, Syriac, uh, German, French, uh, and as all clerics did back then, certainly Italian and Latin. He was able to reach so many different people because of not only his ability to read and understand uh, those languages, but his ability to communicate that language in light of the culture. So you see him constantly going out on these great apostolic missions because he had the ability to articulate the Christian Catholic faith to a people who needed to better understand what the Catholic faith was about um, in her teachings and in her doctrines. So St. Lawrence and Berdisi, again, a man of the late 16th, early 17th century, John, was very, very important to the life of the Church. And it is right that in 1959, um, as we know now, St. John the Twenty-Third proclaimed him to be apostolic doctor. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. So, uh, amen to this great man yeah. um, that we all have something to learn from. I took a great courses from a man named Dr. Cook from uh, New York State University at Genesee, and he asked his students, what were the most important dates in Christianity? And they almost all came up with two, 
and they're rather obvious. One was 314 A.D. Mm-hmm. That would be Constantine's victory at the Battle of Malvern Bridge. Uh-huh. And the next one would be 1517. Martin Luther did something that year. I think mm. we brought it up sometime. <laughs> okay. Those would be two dates. Now, that's maybe one of the reasons we are talking so much about the 16th century is that hullabaloo, uh, mm-hmm. which is still going on, mm-hmm. although to a lesser degree. I mean, both sides didn't get along quite well. Sure. I mean, the, the problem now is with our secular culture. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, the, so so that that may be one of the reasons we've been talking so much because when there was a time of crisis, saints came up. That's right, John. I mean, if there is a low point, there is always its contrasting Correct. high point. Yes. I mean, I don't know, John, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, <laughs> if you've ever been um, to the base of the Grand Canyon to its low point, to look up is something else. Yes. <laughs> to oh, look up yeah. is something else, and you have this huge contrast between low and high in the 16th century because yes. We have a significant low point in the history of the Catholic Church, but again, we can never emphasize enough the high point that we have in the great Christian thinkers and the many doctors of the Church. And I highlight doctors here too, John, because we needed doctors of the Church. We needed great Christian thinkers to better defend the Catholic Church. And this is something that we have to pay close attention to, because when there are low points, that means there's been a decline in the study of the faith, just not spirituality but also uh, the study and understanding of the faith. So we need great Christian thinkers who can articulate the faith so as to better understand the faith. A little aside, I was reading uh, that uh, one of the fallen away Catholic writers, James Joyce from Ireland, he Mm. wrote some famous novels, he daily read Thomas Aquinas in Latin Mm. because he was such a logical, clear thinker, mm-hmm. and he appreciated This was kind of one of his warm-up activities, shall we say, yeah, because yeah. Thomas was on track. Yeah. And it's interesting how these writers, uh, you know, I mean, Joyce was not kind of an atheist, we'll call him. But anyway, that, that that's the influence that Thomas had on sure. a fallen-away person. Sure. Okay. Yeah, he had the ability, and this is why he um, did receive that title, the, the seraphic, seraphic Doctor. <laughs> he had the ability to um, cast this kind of angelic light upon so many different aspects of the faith. And always, as you just said, John, always rooted in logic, that instrument to reason. Yeah. Now, uh, Lawrence of Brindisi was born Julius Caesar Russo in 1559, and he came actually pretty close to the town of Brindisi, which is close to Naples, um, which is on the Adriatic. No, it is not. It's on the uh, Mediterranean side. He was born to wealthy parents, but he was orphaned at the age of seven. And uh, he was educated by conventional Franciscans. Conventional, not conventional. I don't think such a thing as a conventional <laughs> Franciscan, but conventional Franciscan. Maybe Joe can explain what they are. And then an uncle uh, sent him to college uh, at St. Mark's in Venice. And he got a, quite a good education. He was bright from the beginning. He wanted to be a, a priest. And at 16, he went into the Capuchin order, and he took the Franciscan habit. And it was at this time that he dropped the name of Julius and took up the name of Lawrence, mm-hmm. and that this would be his name uh, from here on. And he attended the University of Padua, so these are all excellent universities, getting a first-class education. And it was there he learned uh, Latin, which of course you would have to know, Greek, Hebrew, German, Bohemian, I didn't know there was such a language, French, Spanish, and Syriac, and uh, all of this he, mm. he knew. Mm. And he also took a great interest in biblical texts, while he was a deacon, not yet ordained, he preached a Lenten course of sermons, and this made him a reputation as quite a fantastic preacher. And he was ordained a priest in 1582. And uh, 
he preached uh, with, with a lot of fruit in Padua, Verona, and Vicenza, all this in Italy. These are quite famous northern Italian towns. Mm-hmm. So his reputation as a young priest was, was kind of growing. And why was it growing, John? Well, you just said it. His love for sacred scripture. I mean, listen to his own words. The word of the Lord is a light for the mind and a fire for the will, so that man may know and love God. For the inner man who lives through the living grace of God's Spirit is bread and water, but bread sweeter than honey and water better than wine or milk. It is a weapon against a heart stubbornly entrenched in vice. It is a sword against the flesh, the world, and the devil to destroy every sin. You see, St. Lawrence of Brindisi, John, was inspired by the Word of God. It really gave shape and form to everything that he did. He was uh, charged, uh, according to one of my readings, by uh, Pope Clement VIII to attend to the conversion of the Jews because he spoke Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And he could go to the rabbis in the local area and carry on a conversation. He knew the Hebrew faith, and, and I mean, I'm not saying there was great conversions going on, but here was an opening, and this is a—he became a diplomat. In mm-hmm. fact, he died as a diplomat. Uh, and so here he is speaking to people, shall we say, outside the fold, but doing it successfully and, and, and making bridges. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, John, <laughs> to be able to speak the language of the person. And to be able to walk through that door is then, John, the first step in being able to walk back out that door and having them follow you. And that is so hard to do. It, it is It is very difficult to do. I mean, this really is the essence of the new evangelization, yes. to meet people where they're at and to get them to ask new questions. And as we have said so many times, John, to ask new questions is what leads to new beginnings. Correct. And this is what St. Lawrence of Berdisi was about. You bring up the Jews. What was he doing? If you were to go into the writings of St. Lawrence of Berdisi, he would show how, yes, Jesus was a Jewish man, but the whole prophetic thrust was about this new universal covenant, this new catholicke covenant, this new Catholic covenant. And so it just wasn't about one nation, the Jewish nation, but now all nations, right? So he was able to show them how Jesus Christ was the fulfillment to the promise, and in doing so, show them that it was no longer about the covenant sign of circumcision, but now the covenant sign of baptism in the Eucharist. And so in doing that, there were all sorts of new questions and new beginnings for many rabbis. Yes, right. Well, this uh, vocation of his continued because uh, he was asked to go with a man named uh, Blessed Benedict of Urbino into Germany to establish uh, a Capuchin, Franciscan, areas in there to help with the Lutherans. And they did this by setting up nursing homes, and they went in and helped people suffering from the plague, dangerous stuff, mm-hmm. and, and they set up uh, these kinds of helping centers in, in various areas there in, in Eastern Europe. He established friars in both Prague and Austria and elsewhere in Eastern Europe. So he, was tra- he wasn't exactly trying to combat, but he was showing the good side of the Franciscans and of the Catholic Church in these areas, mm-hmm. and, and that's what, this was just part of his calling. Now, in 1602, he was elected Minister General of the, of the Capuchins, which is a big office. Mm-hmm. And he held that office for uh, pretty much five years. Which means uh, the number one man. <laughs> he was the number one man. Yeah. And he did not want to run for re-election. He felt five years is enough mm-hmm. in this job. 
and he, he relinquished it at that. Now, another little uh, piece about him, we're all familiar with ISIS. Well, it's, n- it's not a new, mm. I don't, not, not a new issue. The Turks invaded Europe, and the Turks were very interested in trying to capture Europe, and they were a very powerful army. Think of the Battle of Lepanto. Uh-huh. So anyway, they invaded uh, Turkey, and they were going up to Vienna, Austria, up in that area. That was, that was the pathway into Europe. He was asked to help out with the German army, and he was sort of like a chaplain, we'll call him. And also he gave strategic advice to generals, according to what I was reading. And in the Battle of Sykes-Ferrer in 1601, he had a cross, and he went right into battle with this with the German army, and they were successful in the Turks. The Turks were defeated and had to retreat. So uh, I joked with you earlier about Lawrence of Arabia, uh-huh. and uh, here's Lawrence yeah. of Brindisi. <laughs> and, well, they were both warriors to a degree, mm-hmm. and actually both fought the Turks. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I guess Lawrence was on a camel, and yeah. <laughs> Lawrence was on a cross. So yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, he he was involved in in that military expedition. You know, th- these are just some of the activities that he was involved in. And he's a saint. Yes, he is. I mean, let let's put this in context, in light of what you were just talking about, John. Um, there he is in battle, entrenched in war, and he's a saint. Yes. Right. He's not only a doctor of the church, but he's a great warrior. Uh-huh. See. We have to put on the lenses of 2,000 years, John, to better understand the Catholic faith today. If we think we can understand doctrine, sacred scripture, the life of the church as it stands, 2016 and the year 2016, we better start rolling up our sleeves and doing our homework, because it's only in light of its 2,000 years that we can better understand the role of the Catholic Church today. Yes. Um, so I think about this, John, because I get questions every day about why does the Catholic Church do this, or why does the Catholic Church do that? Just yesterday, someone pulled me aside and wanted to bring up, you know, war, you know, that the Catholic Church is adamantly opposed to war on all fronts, and it's just simply sure, not the yeah. case. And I gave them many examples, one of which was the figure of St. Lawrence and Berdisi. I mean, it's not to say that there are things that can't change, I'm not saying that, but there's a reason why Pope Francis himself, oh, by the way, is very open to going to war with ISIS, because sometimes there is such a thing as just war. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my house, as uh, Jesus said to the Roman centurion. Yeah, okay. yeah amen. Okay, well right, said, yeah. John. Um, one other little thing about his life is, uh, this is towards the end, He uh, there was hassles going on in Naples. I'm not sure all of the details, but there was a duke, a duke of Osuna, who was causing trouble, and he was asked by the Pope to go and talk to uh, King Philip III in, in Madrid, and he did. Mm-hmm. And he was successful in relieving the situation in Naples, and it was during this diplomatic mission that, that he died. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, here's a man who was talented, uh, you know, as a lot of the people who come across, a workaholic, and uh, talented in, in many areas, and just, I don't know how he could fit it all into mm. the day. Now, not all saints are like this. He happened to be one, and, and what I guess a saint is, I mean, that's the question that has gone with, come to me throughout this entire a radio broadcast going from way back is, I don't know, you just live your day and you see the possibilities that God has given you and mm. the talents he has given you and how your interest in these talents have met together and what you can do about it for the greater glory of God. Amen. Yeah, one can better understand what it means to become a saint in light of reading the saints, for sure, 
But one thing we have to be careful of, John, is looking at what a saint does and trying to be exactly like that. Because yeah. often what a saint does is the natural outgrowth of who he is in all of his uniqueness as he or she is created in the image and likeness of God. Why do I bring this up? Well, you just said it. St. Lawrence and Berdisi, okay, did many great things. And as we have said in the past, there are a handful of saints that we have talked about that did so many different things. <clears throat> Does that mean for us we are called to do so many different things? Not necessarily. We might be of the personality type where we are better doing the one thing, because often less is more. And so we have to go to God and ask that question. All right, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Are you calling me to do A, B, and C? Are you calling me to do A, B, C, D, E, and F? Are you calling yeah. me to do A, B, C, D, and F, G, H, I? Yeah. It depends on what God is calling you to do. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to adhere to the yes. spirit of that passage that I was reading from earlier as it relates to St. Lawrence and Berdisi. Yeah. And by that I mean, go to sacred scripture, renew devotion to sacred scripture, and understand that when you read sacred scripture, you are reading the living, breathing word of God. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> Sacred Scripture was just not written by human authors, right. but human authors under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Sacred Scripture is human and divine. Just as Jesus Christ is human and divine, so is Sacred Scripture human and divine. We have to appreciate that Sacred Scripture is not some corpse, but something living. Yeah. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, John, and when we read Sacred Scripture, it will inspire us to do great things. St. Lawrence of Brindisi himself said he was able to do so many things that God called him to do because of his devotional reading of sacred scripture, because of his love for Jesus Christ himself. And so we have to take heed to this yeah. and appreciate what's going on. I'm made to think, John, of the word inspiration here. You know, the Latin inspirare is uh, to breathe into yeah but also to inflame, inflammation. Maybe we can put it in the context of an inflammation of the heart, yeah. right? So when we read sacred scripture, the inspired word of God, the very word of God, the very spirit of God is breathing into us life. And what is its consequence? An inflammation of the heart, an inflammation of love for God. This is what St. Lawrence and Berdisi um, was talking about in that passage that I read earlier. The deeper we go, the more we want to be transformed in Christ and consequently live for Christ. You know, when we, we've been doing the doctrine of the church, and all of these doctors of the church are going to have good SAT scores. You don't have to have that to become a saint. No. Uh, no. And, and, of course, the classic example to me is St. Benedict Joseph Labray, who was a mentally uh, ill, homeless hobo yeah. who wandered Europe, wound up in, in Rome, and died at a rather early age because, I mean, he was homeless and therefore exposed to the elements. And he slept in the Colosseum, I think, when it you know, wasn't a big tourist attraction back in around 18... 20 when he died, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or I think even earlier. But now, as soon as he died, people went through the streets of Rome saying, the saint is dead, the saint is dead. They knew he was holy. Mm. Now, if you go to churches, you're going to see mentally ill people in churches mm. and around. I mean, you just are. But these people are also called to be saints. Yes. But I, I don't want to talk about what's going on in, in there. I mean, they certainly have an illness. But even if you're mentally ill, holiness can be there. 
And Amen. St. Benedict founded, I mean, the great Father Benedict Rochelle named, took his religious name after him. So mm-hmm. I just want to point that out, that you have to find out who you are and find the Word of God and just and just live it out. Amen. And then another little thing about our uh, about St. Lawrence of Brindisi is uh, his Masses lasted for about three hours, I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like St. Padre Pio. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his, he received permission, papal permission, to have all of his masses offered to Our Lady, he used that or he used that office or that order, and so he had a great devotion to Our Lady. Mm. And when you have a devotion for Our Lady, you're thinking of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, he um, did quite a bit of writing on the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. That was quite important to him. John, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier as it relates to this mentally ill person and, and the capacity to become a saint, the capacity to love. This really is what the saint is about, taking all of the gifts that God has given to you, um, those that we see as so great and those that no one sees, right? Yes. And imbue those gifts with love. With love. This is why uh, we look at love as uh, the greatest of all virtues, because ultimately, if we take everything that we are and we imbue it with love, we are well on our way to becoming a saint, Love literally means to will the good of the other. The highest form of love, of course, is sacrificial. This is what Jesus teaches us on the cross. And so when we lead with sacrifice, willing the good of the other, this great selfless love, we will begin to bring about the very essence of what Christianity itself is all about. Whether you are 15-year-old or 85-year-old, whether you are 35 or 65, whether you're an engineer or a caretaker, whatever you are, whatever you are, if you imbue that which you are with love, you are well on your way. Yeah. And I think, John, to highlight that is so important, and I think we uh, probably have not highlighted that enough on this series titled Great Christian Thinkers. I know we've touched upon it here or there, but it should be highlighted because certainly it could be lost on some of us. Now, <laughs> we talk about the great Christian thinkers because there's so many great things to talk about in light of what they did talk about. And what did St. Lawrence and Bredisi talk about? Well, you talk about Mary and the Immaculate Conception and his devotion to Mary. Um, his devotion to Mary was so great that it was said a great number of times uh, that it was rare for him to be seen not praying the rosary. Huh? Wow! <laughs> so a, a, a man who had uh, Mary on his lips, yeah. with a deeper understanding that Mary shares in that one mediation of Christ— Right? We're all called to share in that mediation of Christ. It would be important to note, John, for all of our listeners, that just as we go to one another and ask them for prayers, hey, John, can you pray for me or pray for, miss, pray for my sister? We all do that. Right? We all intercede on behalf of one another. So it is we go to Mary, the one who is closest to Jesus, and ask her, Hey, Mary, can you pray for my uh, son? Can you pray for my uncle? Why? Because, again, there is no one closer to Jesus than Mary, Mm -hmm. uh, the very one who brought him forth. So uh, this is why St. Lawrence of Brindisi had such a great devotion to Mary and why so many others do. Yes. His writings are primarily sermons that he gave, which were written down and recorded. And also he did a biblical commentary, uh, I think in particular on Genesis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so the, those would be the writings that have come down to us from him. But uh, Blessed John the Twenty Third, 
knew mm-hmm. how important this man was. Mm-hmm. And I, I just am so grateful that he picked out this person who came at this very difficult time and just spread the word of God as well as he did, and, and yeah. with such grace and diplomacy. Mm, amen. Yeah, John, if he wasn't talking to a Jewish rabbi, he was talking to a German Protestant. If he wasn't right. talking to a German Protestant, he was talking to a French Calvinist. If he or wasn't talking <laughs> Yeah, if he wasn't talking to a French Calvinist, he was talking to the King of Spain. Yeah. I mean, this was a man for all peoples. This is why he's known as the apostolic doctor. And it's interesting. If you were to go back to uh, Benedict's exhortation on the Word of God in the life of the Church, he quotes St. Lawrence of Brindisi. In fact, he himself says this, Lawrence's success helps us to realize that today, too, in pursuing ecumenical dialogue with such great hope, the reference to sacred Scripture, interpreted in accordance with the tradition of the Church, is an indispensable element of fundamental importance. For this reason, I wish to recall this in my apostolic exhortation, paragraph 46. So we have focused in on sacred scripture because sacred scripture was uh, the focus of St. Lawrence of Brindisi. What's more, John, and this is again something Benedict XVI highlights, even the simplest members of the faithful, those not endowed with great culture, benefited from the convincing words of St. Lawrence, who addressed humble people to remind them all to make their lives consistent with the faith they professed. This is what this man was about. And this is why we look at him as just not a doctor, but an apostolic doctor. Because if you have apostolic character, you have the character of one who can reach all people's yes in their native tongue, but all people's period, right? Both those who can grasp the larger concepts and those who cannot. St. Lawrence of Brindisi reached everyone. And this is why we have so much to learn from him, and in so many ways, why he was so compelling. Okay, John, I'm looking up at the clock, and we are out of time. Let us go ahead and close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.